G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it, it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25-year-old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater Today we're chatting with musician and singer-songwriter John Seckham based in Sydney, Australia Welcome along John, tell us a bit of your background, where were you born and raised? I was born in an obscure little country town called Wollongbar which is in the far north coast of New South Wales Around about the age of five, the government contacted our family and said we love the land that you've been raised on and we'd like to build a university there. So my father had to move. We had no choice about that. They never built the university there, but there's a lovely TAFE there to this day on our property. And sometimes I drive past it and think of what it might have been and whether <laughs> I would have been a farmer the rest of my life. But uh, I think that's God operating. And uh, mm-hmm. down to Sydney we went. Uh, I went to just a local high school and primary school, firstly, mm-hmm. and was due to go to a local high school. And one morning my father saw an ad in the paper, looked at it and said, Put your best clothes on. You never really even asked me about it. I said, okay, then. Off we went into town and uh, I did an audition and, and sang at St Andrew's Cathedral Choir and was accepted as a probationer there. Uh, I don't think my parents were really rich enough to afford the fees, so uh, they had scholarships for students mm-hmm. there and uh, singing in the choir. So I spent the next six years and it was probably the most amazing musical foundation. That said, I'd already had a little bit of practice learning piano and uh, mm-hmm. my mother had... Uh, it's been a few cents there, yep. and that's a bit of an interesting story in itself. Now, tell us a bit of your faith journey. Uh, how did you come to Christ? I was very fortunate to grow up with a Christian family. Um, I think if there was a startling conversion experience, it had probably been in my parents' generation. Uh, my father and his brother had grown up as uh, in, in the Methodist family, but they'd both at university had a really solid encounter with Jesus, mm-hmm. and they'd become very strong evangelicals to the extent where my uncle then went on to start a Christian bookstore called Kurong, which you oh, listeners yeah. may have heard of. We may have heard of Kurong, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, which my cousin ran for many years. And uh, my father, similarly, a strong conversion experience, mm-hmm. uh, and my mother as well. So she had grown up a child of the Depression, an orphan, um, and in Newcastle one day there, in an adoptive family, a very, very tough background that she'd had. She moved, uh, she's walking along the street one day, walked into the church army and became a Christian and wow. learned all about Jesus. So we were raised within the Christian mm-hmm. background and within a Christian family. But I think one of the things which happens there is that, uh, and perhaps I can use a metaphor here, um, I, I love gardening and uh, I have a little place down the coast and I put a lot of time putting plants in. Uh, but I know that if we don't water them, they don't particularly grow. So I I was fortunate enough to listen to Billy Graham and to sit through a huge number of sermons which told me about my need to become a Christian. 
but it was the growth which happened thereafter, which is really important. And uh, in my garden, I spent a lot of time watering plants because I know that if you don't do that, they'll never grow, no matter how good the gum tree, if you don't put that water in. And so I think the later Christian experience, and I had a couple of people who mentored me and looked mm-hmm. after me, that's what made all the difference. So mm-hmm. I know that you mentioned to me before that there was also a connection with the Welsh Revival with one of your relatives. Tell us a bit about that. Indeed. So my aunt had... Uh, had grown up in Wales, and she had made a decision to become a Christian in the Welsh Revival, a huge thing in the early 1900s throughout Wales, and that brought a massive change. Mm. And so uh, she'd become a Christian, Mm. and then she'd met my uncle at university, one of the few first people to do science there, one of Mm -hmm. the science degrees at Sydney University, and they had been very strong Christians Mm. all of their life. I love hearing stories about the Welsh Revival. I remember someone uh, preaching once and sharing that, uh, so many people came to Christ that many of the pubs went out of business and uh, the police had nothing to do because the crime levels dropped so much. So the police started barbershop quartets and started singing at the <laughs> revival meetings. Uh, so uh, great to hear uh, a, a connection there with the Welsh revival with uh, Evan Roberts. Uh, he was mm. only 28 apparently, a young revivalist, which is awesome. All right, now let's, let's find out a bit more of your story. So uh, you were following Jesus as a young fella. Tell us a bit about your early career. What did you do after school? I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So I did a stack of different things. I did our leave, what we would call our HSC again, um, and I got all of, I think, 20 marks better. Not a lot, but mm-hmm. uh, but that was enough to get me into university. But before I did that, I worked on the railways for a year. I worked as a motorbike courier for three months until I worked out that that was a very short lifespan. So, <laughs> I, so I moved on from there. Uh, and I worked in a bank part-time for a while whilst I was in a local school teaching scripture. And I was working with one of those people who mentored me and, and they had a huge impact on my life. And as I was looking at that, I thought, well, I need to, I've watched people have had a big impact on my life. So I think I want to be working with others in the same way. Mm. So I, uh, I had spent some time at the conservatorium. I went there and did part of the course, but I Swapped to Macquarie University uh, in Sydney, and I did an ancient history degree and mm-hmm. English lit, and uh, and I followed that with honours in New Testament, which is a, I loved doing because really digging down into the Bible there. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I went out teaching, uh, and they sent me out to one of the worst schools in New South Wales, one of the toughest places ever to learn your trade, and yet one of the neediest places as well. So. I got straight into there with the Christian group and we were taking the kids out and travelling around. Mm-hmm. So I've worked at a variety of schools since since then. And what town was that in? Yeah. So that was out there in Blacktown in Blacktown. the west of Sydney. Oh, there you go. Okay. And that was, uh, and that was, it was a rough old place, that yeah. one. Yeah, but, uh, but it was also one for which I treasure some pretty good memories too. Mm. And tell us a bit about your musical career. Um, firstly, how many instruments do you play? I saw a list before of several instruments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, I tend not to play things in the string family. Yep. Uh, ironically, my grandfather used to make violins, but but I'm always willing to have a go at anything in the uh, wind or the brass family. Mm-hmm. So I, at the conservatorium, I did trumpet there. I trained as a classical tenor, so I've sung opera, mm-hmm. uh, but also piano was the biggest thing from the beginning. But uh, in church, whatever instruments needed, I'll pull out the saxophone or the flute or whatever's required. So mm-hmm. um Depends what works for a particular song, so, yeah. Now, you've obviously performed in uh, many secular shows Mm. and uh, in the music world. Tell us about the ministry side of things. Uh, How did that develop uh, with uh, music ministry? Well, that was a bit of a conscious decision. Um, There were opportunities to continue on with that. I've worked on the club circuit. Um, I've played piano restaurants. 
Uh, and I could have taken the singing on with the opera further. Uh, I trained in the bel canto style, which is quite rare. But uh, I think for me the great passion was writing Christian music, which will inspire people. In the last few years I've been working particularly on Christmas carols because uh, there is a huge need, and we do live in a, a post-Christian era, unfortunately, and there, are, uh, and in teaching I've discovered that there are so many people out there for whom Sadly, the name Jesus is nothing more than a swear word, which mm. is which is you know a, a great sadness to me. So there is a way with Christmas carols that you can connect with people and you can introduce the message of Jesus, and that takes us out to a, a huge field and a huge field of need. So mm. Mm. that's that's been a particular passion of mine in the last few years. And I've noticed that uh, one of your songs, uh, "Christmas Is Here Again," uh, has been. Uh, featured on an album with Paulini. She's well known from uh, Australian Idol. Yep. And uh, there's also been um, a whole bunch of your songs on Spotify and, mm. you know, that have been, you know, quite widely sung around the mm. world. Yes. Uh, lots of different Christmas carols events. Tell us a bit about this project. So, <clears throat> Christmas is here again. Um, I started with some words from Reginald Heber from 200 years ago. He's the guy who wrote Holy, Holy, Holy. And he wrote this beautiful Christmas carol. But it's not really accessible for a lot of people today, and some of the words and the images don't necessarily make a lot of sense. So at a risk of, of uh, for those people who are purists, I have worked with that quite hard but uh, and, and and worked it over a period of time. But then I introduced at the beginning of it a, a song which almost sounds secular. So Christmas is here again, mm-hmm. bring out the stockings and all the rest of it. And this Christmas carol just merges into the statement of what Christianity, uh, that what the central part of Christmas is about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I've worked fairly hard on the melody because that's one of my great passions. I love a song, and any song by anybody, where people are still singing that tune an hour later or you know, or the next day. So we've worked really hard on that. Um, my producer, uh, Pete from Turnaround Music, uh, a very good mates with Graham Press, who runs the Christmas carols down in, uh, in Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, which you'll see every year. And so Graham passed it on to Marusia, who is... Uh, uh, very famous and records uh, with Andre Roux mm-hmm. and okay. has also sung with the Seekers. Mm-hmm. And she loved the song and uh, and so she recorded it for us and hence it's moved on from mm. there. Fantastic. Now, I'm also curious to know about a youth Christian rock song you've written called Ever Living Rock. Uh, tell us about this one. Well, I was listening to some of the music that the kids were doing, doing in our chapel band at the school I was teaching at at the time and I thought to myself, when I was younger, there were some really strong beats. I loved Keith Green. Yep. And uh, it had an enormous effect on me. Yep. Me uh, too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Have you got a favourite Keith Green song while we're on that topic? I love every single one. <laughs> and I loved his first cassette. Yes. And I played it and wore it out. And uh, and I'm always grateful to my sister that she left it She left it sitting on the side table one day. Yeah. I had a cassette player. And from the time I put it on, I don't think uh, I stopped playing it until it was completely gone. Yep. That's probably why I bought my first uh, Sony Walkman. <laughs> Sorry, that's an okay <laughs> technical advice. But So yeah, from when I was younger, you'd mm. have great rock songs, Christian rock songs, which have a great drive to them, a great beat to them, and fantastic words. Mm. And I was listening and I thought, well, why don't we do something? Why don't I do something like that? Yeah. And... I have. I was wonderful. I had a little tutor group, and every single person in that tutor group played an instrument. We had a full band there, so I said to the person around chapel, "What if I put a song together, and and we do it in chapel?" And so that's been one of the used by our the school I was working at. Fantastic. And I'm also curious to know about another 
uh, song, uh, Bells Are Ringing. Mm. It was selected for the BBC Christmas concert, uh, which didn't actually go ahead because of COVID, but it was, you know, it, it's also been sung quite widely around the world. Mm. Yes. So uh, that was that was looking very good. Yeah. Uh, so we had uh, it had been selected by a company which the BBC puts that concert out to mm-hmm. um, other um, groups and they look after. A lot of them yep. contracted out these days. Mm. Uh, so it was looking good for COVID. They had the cast of Mamma Mia lined up to do oh, that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we were – and I was very excited by that one, but, of course, COVID hit. Yeah. And it's very easy with COVID to sit there and think, woe is me and all mm. the things – you know, you can look at all the things that go wrong. But but that happened to everybody. Mm. And mm. there were so many people affected around the world by that. So mm. that was disappointing, but we're still looking at, uh, at what we can do into the future. There may still be possibilities in that space. So uh, Wonderful. You've mm. got Christian youth songs. You've got Christmas mm. carols. And and you also do church music, so people sing a lot of your songs in in churches, yes. do they? Yeah, yes. So um, so that's around the world. At the moment, it's mm-hmm. probably a bigger in the United States mm-hmm. and England. I was just looking at CCLI came out today, and there yeah. was um, so there's quite a bit of use over there. And tell us a bit about how you write them, because you know some you know songwriters it comes to them in the shower <laughs> or when they're out in nature mm. or when they wake up in the morning. What's how do you get your inspiration for your songwriting? Well. Uh, sometimes it just comes to you very quickly. Mm. It's a song I wrote which got used in Katoomba Youth Convention, which was pretty big back in the mm-hmm. 1980s. I've been there. I've been to the yeah. KYC. Yeah, yeah. So that one was called All My Desire. And uh, I wrote that in 15 minutes and I was sitting in, we are in a house church at the time and one of the guys was just talking. And the, in the Gospel of John, I'd never really understood and he, and he was unlocking it. And I realised how, how that's such a personal level mm. that that Gospel operates at. Um it, People want to turn it into theory sometimes, and I think, no, this is a man who passionately loves God. Mm. And so as he was talking about um, the relationship that Jesus had with God, I thought that I was just sitting there writing down the words. I went home and put the tune together in about 15 minutes. Mm. Other times it can take six months to put something together or even a year, and there's times I've come back to something after 10, 15 years and reworked it to mm. – um, so so sometimes I, starting with, I'm, I start with a melody. Mm-hmm. And I'll be working on that for quite some time. Other times, though, I'll be listening to words. So for a while I was in a church in King's Cross in Sydney, which was really powerful. There was a story there of a man who had uh, he'd made all the newspapers because of the, uh, all the gossip magazines because of what had happened, uh, and he'd run off with somebody, very famous story at the time. I won't go into the details, but he'd then caught AIDS. And at the end of his life, he'd become a Christian and uh, the minister was preaching because he'd been ministering to him in the last days of his life. And just some of the words that he said to that minister were so powerful. And as I heard those words, um, I wrote them down. And, it, and the title's a little bit controversial because I wrote, it's called The Love of God is Sorrow. But the love of God was sorrow when, he was, when he was, his son was being crucified on mm. the cross. Mm. But the final words of that song, these last years are much better than the ones that came before. Mm. Yeah, the word for word, what that, that man who'd become a Christian in the very final days was saying as he was there in the most terrible circumstance. AIDS is a dreadful disease. Mm. And in those days, very little could be done for the sufferer. And yet the powerful, you know, the body was gone, but suddenly the spirit and the soul was incredibly strong. Mm. So listening to people preach, reading the Bible, there are just so many different sources of inspiration. Mm. And sometimes I'll start with words and just work at them and the melody will then come to match the words. So Mm. you can come in from either direction, melody first, then words, sometimes words, 
And sometimes I have collaborated with others too and say, I've got a tune here, not quite sure what's happening with this. What do you think? <laughs> so I'm always open to somebody coming in and looking at that as well. Wonderful. And so if people want to book you to come and sing, mm. you obviously do Christmas carols. <laughs> Indeed, uh, yeah. you, you lead worship as well, do you? Is that I part? do lead yeah, worship yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. always happy to come mm-hmm. and teach songs as well mm-hmm. to people who want to, to do something new and Wonderful. want to have listened particularly like a song. So, and yes. what about training for music teams, worship teams? That kind Absolutely. Of yeah. Great. That's an incredibly important thing. Um, but to, and I'm passionate about this because mm. often today what can happen is that um, leading church worship can become a, a concert. Mm. And and sometimes that bec- the focus becomes maybe on the singers as well, mm. whereas it has always got to be on God. Jesus has always got to be central. And what the church musicians do is, is to supplement and to complement and to help raise that praise up to another level. Mm. So that's something I'm passionate about. I've got a variety of backgrounds there because I sang in a cathedral choir, but I've also done lots of <laughs> different styles. And and I think that brings a sort of a unique experience together with all of those disparate backgrounds. And that's why I'm passionate to help churches and encourage them in developing songs and music and worship styles, which enhance the worship of people of God. Wonderful. Well, if people want to find out more, they can go to the website johnsecondmusic.com, and that's John without an H. That's John J-O-N-S-E-C-C-O-M-B-E-Music.com. So johnsecondmusic.com, or you can search up John Second Music on Facebook, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, all, there. all the socials. It's on all of those things, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's been wonderful to hear your story today, uh, John. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Matt. Pleasure. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. Matt Prater's latest book is now available, History Makers, devotions, downloads and dad jokes. It will take you on a journey through God's Word and will hopefully give a few laughs along the way. It's just $15 plus postage. Order now at historymakersradio.com. Discounts available for bulk orders. The heart behind this book is to challenge people to get into the habit of daily devotions with Jesus. Find out more at historymakersradio.com. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 